0: drummers so these two are putting it out
1: <laughs>
0: leaving it all on the table for Jesus I love it it's good stuff. thank you guys for working love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Love is not just a feeling, love requires doing on our part. We are called to love as Christ loves, and we can live in the power of love because he first loved us. Cuz we light this candle We do this remembering his great love for us and looking forward to walking in love as he has called us to do, especially during this season. Let us pray. Thank you, Father, for loving us
2: so much that you sent your Son to save us as we celebrate the birth of love come to earth. May we be the example of selflessness, love, and our actions and our attitudes. Let your light in us so shine before others that they will see your good deeds through us and
3: glorify you, our Father in heaven. In Jesus' name and all God's people said, Amen. Amen.
2: supported Joel and Tiffany and their family for many years, uh, serving on the mission field. Uh, so it's been wonderful knowing Megan since she was born and watching her grow up into a beautiful young lady, and God is calling her to uh, some mission work, and so uh, she's going to come and share with us about that, so if you uh, carefully hear her and see if God wants your heart to be of any help to
1: Good morning everyone. Um, thank you so much for letting me come up here and talk to you and I guess I first want to start by saying he's totally right. You guys have been my church family since I was dedicated here. And I, I'm really thankful for all the support that you know, you've know you prayed for us and you've, you've supported us throughout all of my life on the mission field and, and now into the rest of life. So I'm super excited to talk about this new opportunity to go serve on a medical mission trip in Southeast Asia. I'm going with East to West, which is an organization that does short-term mission trips all over the world. But the program that I am specifically going to be involved in, and that is very near and dear to my heart, is called Teach to Transform. Essentially, this program takes healthcare workers from here in the States and sends them overseas to local churches and local evangelists, and trains them in healthcare practices like taking vital signs, first aid, wound and burn care, prenatal and postnatal care for women and babies, so that these people can then go into areas that don't have access to health care normally and provide that health care to people and be the hands and feet of Jesus. But the most important part of this is that it opens the door to allow people to go into regions that are heavily persecuted and that are highly unreached. These people have never heard the gospel before, and this just gives the local churches who speak the language and who know the culture an opportunity to go into those places and be able to share the gospel with the people in their communities as well as serving them in a, a healthcare-related setting. So I will be going with East to West um, early next year, and would love your prayers and support throughout this entire experience. If you're interested in hearing any more specific details, I'll be hanging out in the lobby afterwards. Unfortunately, due to security reasons in the livestream, I can't give you like specifics up here, but I would be happy to talk to you about anything um, later on. And if you're interested in donating financially, um, there's a you can do so through the First Rock website and it's you know under Giving and then Megan with the mission trip. But primarily I appreciate your prayers because I know that's what this church does very well, and we have seen the fruits of that throughout my entire upbringing as, as a missionary kid. So thank you. Thank you.
2: Matthew chapter 13, we're going to begin reading in verse 24. Matthew chapter 13, verse 24. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, as we open your precious word that is full of truth, wisdom, guidance for us. We ask, Lord, that your Holy Spirit would accompany the reading of the Word, that, Lord, you would give us understanding that could come from no one else. We pray, Lord, that you would help us know what it is you're saying and and that, Lord, our hearts would burn inside of us. That we would understand what you mean, what you're calling us to, what you're inviting us into. Uh, We pray, Lord, that you would do a great work in each and every one of our lives. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Mm -hmm. Well, Jesus communicated a lot through parables, uh, which are like analogies. They're stories in which he would uh, bring a teaching through. he did that oftentimes because he was talking about spiritual truths that we really couldn't understand uh, without putting it into some kind of a, a worldly, natural setting. So he speaking to a lot of farmers and shepherds. It was a pretty agrarian culture uh, that he's speaking to. Uh, he talks a lot about trees and harvests and things like that, good soil. We're going to read a few of his parables uh, this morning and uh, hear what God is trying to tell us all uh, through these parables. Beginning in verse 24, this is the parable of the tares and the wheat. Jesus presented another parable to them saying, The kingdom of heaven may be compared to a man who sowed good seed in his field. While his men were sleeping, his enemy came and sowed tares among the wheat. If you're not sure what a tear is, it's weeds, all right? Tears among the wheat and went away. But when the wheat sprouted and wore again, then the tares became evident also. The slaves of the landowner came and said to him, Sir, did you not sow good seed in your field? How then does it have tares? And he said to them, An enemy has done this. The slave said to him, Do you want us then to go and gather them up? But he said, No. For while you are gathering up the tares, you may uproot the wheat with them. Allow both to grow together until the harvest. And in the time of the harvest, I will say to the reapers, First gather up the tares and bind them in bundles to burn them up. But gather the wheat into my barn. Now thankfully, when Jesus told this parable, uh, his apostles asked him to explain it, and he does. Down in verse 36, we're going to get Jesus' explanation. He's going to help us unpack what this parable means. So beginning in verse 36, it says, Then he he left the crowds and went into his house. And his disciples came to him and said, Explain to us the parable of the tares of field.'" And he said the one who sows the good seed is the son of man and the field that
0: he sows it into is the world and as far as the the
2: good seed these are the sons of the kingdom and the tares is the weeds they are the sons of the evil one and the enemy who sows them is the devil and the harvest is is the end of the age. And the reapers, well, they are the angels. So just as the tares are gathered up and burned with fire, so shall it be at the end of the age. The Son of Man will send forth His angels, and they will gather out of His kingdom all stumbling blocks and those who commit lawlessness and will throw them into the furnace of fire. In that that place there will be weeping, and gnashing of teeth. Then the righteous will shine forth as the sun. In the kingdom of their father. He who has ears let him hear. This is not a light subject. Jesus tells a parable. To help us understand how things are going to end. And really in a loving way to warn us. Of a judgment to come. We're going to talk more about that as we go through this and look at some other parables with it. But let's start with this, just kind of walking through it and unpacking. He says that the one who sows the good seed is the Son of Man. That's Jesus. It's one of the terms He's called by, the Son of Man. So He's sowing the good seed into His field. And His field is the world. That's what He says. Right? So, He's sowing the good seed into the world. And then he tells us what the good seed is. That it is the sons, the daughters of the kingdom. That is, those who are born again. You see, if you don't have the Spirit of God inside of you, if you're not born again, then His kingdom has not come to you. You are not a part of His kingdom uh, because you have not yet been born again. uh, Made alive, made anew. You must be born again in order to enter into His kingdom. And that's not just someday when you enter, in some, enter into some pearly gates. You enter into the kingdom right now when you give your life to Christ. You become a part of a, uh, another, uh, if you want to call it that, a, 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 what we might say nation, but you're literally entering a kingdom and becoming a part of that kingdom, <laughs> the kingdom of God. So he says that we who are born again, who have the kingdom with us and the gospel message with us, we are the good seed that is being sown into the field, which is the world. He says, but there's something else being sown, and it is the tares. These are the sons of the evil one, and the one who is sowing them is the devil. Now, all of us as humanity are loved by God. The Bible plainly says that. God so loved the world, that's everybody every tribe, every nation, every tongue. He gave His Son to die for the whole world so that we might not perish. In fact, in Peter it says that He desires that none should perish, but all should come to eternal life. That's the love of God. He died for the whole world. He desires that none would perish, but all would come to eternal life. So, how is it that the devil can sow these sons of the of the evil one, these these tares. How can he come into the world and, and do that? Well, he doesn't get to create. Only God creates. The devil is not God. He's not a God. He's a created being, and he will suffer punishment for eternity one day. That's already determined. and We'll get to another verse that says that in a minute. What I want you to hear this morning is that since he doesn't create, he doesn't have his own little group over here that he can go, you know what? Let me sprinkle a few bad folks into the world here. No, what he's got to do is take God's creation, God's humanity, and try to corrupt them into becoming one of his. And that's exactly what he does. In fact, we could look over at verse 18 in the same chapter. And read a different parable. I'll read through real quick. We're not going to camp out a long time here. But this is the parable of the sower. Where Jesus is explaining it. The parable was a few verses earlier. But I'm just going to read the explanation of it. It says, here then the parable of the sower. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom. And does not understand it. The evil one comes and snatches away. What has been sown in his heart. Alright. So we're talking about sowing again. But here, the seed is not the sons of the kingdom or the daughters of the kingdom. But in this parable, the seed is the word of God, the gospel that can bring you into. It's the word of the kingdom, the word that can bring you into the kingdom, which is the good news. That Jesus died for your sins. He was buried and rose again to give you eternal life. It says, when anyone hears... The word of the kingdom, and does not understand it. The evil one, that would be the devil, comes and snatches away what has been sown in his heart. This is the one on whom seed was sown beside the road. Because in the parable, it talks about four soils, the one by the road being the first.
0: Then he goes on to the second soil.
2: He says, the one on whom seed was sown on the rocky places. This is the man who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy, yet he has no firm root in himself, but is only temporary. But is only temporary, and when affliction or persecution arises because of the word, immediately he falls away. Now, the simplest and shortest explanation of that is when we think of someone who is self centered, affliction, pain, or persecution. Uh, when you start touching me, okay, I'll let go, I'll let go, I'll give up. Because I want to save me, I don't want to suffer at all. And so they immediately will fall away. That shows they are shallow. right? Even the the story there is rocky ground, which means that the, the soil is very shallow because under it is rock. They're very shallow people. They don't have the depth to let the roots really take hold. And so their faith... Uh, Though it's exciting for a moment, it's very shallow faith. Self-centeredness. Most people who are self-centered are very shallow people. Then he goes on and says, And the one whom seed was sown among the thorns, this is the man who hears the word, and the worry of the world and the deceitfulness of wealth choke the word, and it becomes unfruitful. Now, I want you to hear that because This is how the evil one, this is how the devil recruits or changes what is soil or or the the people of the world uh, that are going to become seeds for the sake of the other parable. It's how he changed them into his seed that he can begin to uh, propagate and send out. When he can cause them to love the world or love the wealth of The deceitfulness, when he can corrupt them, he can then have them go out and mass produce themselves. Is that not what we see in today's world? Those who are in love with the world, in love with sin and things, are they not trying to preach their own gospel, (coughs) their own message to the world? They want everybody to see. Sex the way they see sex, to see homosexuality the way they see homosexuality, to see transgender the way they see transgender, to see stealing the way they see stealing. They, they want everybody to see sin the way they see it, that it's not sin. And so it's pushed through movies and sexual immorality, sleeping around outside of marriage and all those kinds of things. It's being pushed very hard. Why? Because they're trying, they're inviting people to join their team. They're inviting people to buy into and to come into an agreement that this is, this is not a sin, and this is not a sin, and this is not a sin. And this is how life is supposed to be. This is where the fun is at. This is where joy is really at. And so it's an invitation, right? So how does the devil get his evil ones? How does he get his tares to send out into the world He he takes from among God's creation? And he's doing it to this day. And he does it through the kind of seed that he sows. Instead of it being the word of God, which by the way, the last of the four soils is the one on whom seed was sown, uh, that is the good soil. This man who hears the word and understands it, who indeed he understands it and he bears fruit and brings forth a hundredfold, sixty or even thirtyfold, right? So the word of God comes in and produces fruit. It's the word of truth, it's the gospel, it saves souls, it changes lives. We're going to look at some of the fruit that this word brings about in just a minute. But there's another one sowing his own word and his own message. And that message, when received and brought in, can then begin to produce fruit. And then what he does is he takes those, now they're his. In John chapter 8, verse 44, Jesus is speaking to the Pharisees and he says, you are the children of your father, the devil. And the reason he says that, he says, because I see that you you have murder in your heart, just like your father is a murderer from the beginning. You are liars like he is the father of lies. He says, you have agreed with him. He whispers for you to hate. He whispers for you to not forgive. He whispers for you to do this and that. And you agree with him and you walk out his desire. You are carrying out his kingdom agenda. Does that make sense? So if the if the devil is looking for recruits that he can take from being, let's say, neutral into tears. By the way, there really is no neutral ground. Jesus is calling you to leave the tares and come and be healed. He's calling you to be sons and daughters of the kingdom. The kingdom of righteousness, the kingdom of love, the kingdom of light. If you deny him, you are automatically a terror. You are automatically going to carry out the sin that is in your life. That, that we all have sinful natures. We produce it naturally. There's nobody has to teach us how to sin. So you automatically are a sin producer, right? So you already have the seed of sin in you, thanks to Adam and Eve and their fall. You already have that seed of sin inside of you. You're going to produce sin, right? What you need is a new seed. What you need is a seed of righteousness to be sown inside of you. Hence, that's what Jesus is called. He is called the seed of righteousness. When he is sown into us, he begins to grow up and pro- to a tree that will produce righteousness. In fact, if you go to verse 31 in the same chapter, you have the parable of the mustard seed. Very short says, the kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed, which a man took and sowed in his field, and this is smaller than all the other seeds, but when it is full grown, it is larger than the garden plants and becomes a tree, so that the birds of the air come and nest in its branches. You see, he says the kingdom of God is like this tiny seed, but when it goes in, it will not stay tiny. It will begin to grow and produce fruit. It'll become large and it'll drop its fruit that will then produce more fruit. Do you know you have, I have a red oak tree in my backyard and a couple of live oaks. And I, at times I've had peach trees and apple trees and other things like that. And what I have learned is that uh, if I don't mow under that tree, I'm going to have an orchard under the tree. <laughs> it doesn't take long at all to have little red oaks coming up everywhere because the acorns drop and the ones that get buried begin to take root and become little trees. And that is exactly the principle behind this. God is desiring to plant his seed of eternal life, his seed of righteousness, uh, that we, so that you not just have a tiny little mustard seed of faith inside of you, but that rounder the seed of the kingdom comes in and begins to grow into a tree that produces much fruit, bringing more people into the kingdom. Listen. What did that parable of the tares and the wheat, how did it end? It said, allow both to grow together until the harvest. You see, the reason that God is sending out his sons and daughters of the kingdom is because he wants them to allow that seed of righteousness and truth to grow up and produce fruit to bring more people in. Why? Because he wants the harvest to be great. Who plants seeds. Remember he's sowing here. In the parable of the tares and the wheat. He is sowing. The sower is the son of God. He is sowing. Why? He wants a great harvest of souls. So what he sends out. He wants you all to go. And to be multiplied yourselves. Many times over. Bringing many people in. At the last harvest. In the final days. When his angels came, or rather his servants came in the parable, we know they are angels when we get to the explanation of the parable of the tares and the wheat. They said, do you want us, Master, to go and pull up all the weeds, the tares? He said, no. Well, why? Because you would pull up the wheat as well. And if God came along and He took... This is an explanation of why when when people are angry at God for letting evil go on in the world today and they say, well, what kind of loving God would allow this? What kind of good God would allow that? I don't understand. He should put a stop to it. He should do all these things. Listen, He didn't sow the evil in. The evil one did. He gave us... He He created the world and He put good seed into it. Adam and Eve. But the evil one, the devil, came in and invited Adam and Eve to join his team. All it took was saying, don't eat of that tree. I told the 830 service this morning, I wonder how much longer Adam and Eve would have gone without eating that fruit if God had just never said anything about that tree. But all it took was him saying, now you can eat of any tree that I have given you, just don't eat of that tree. And all of a sudden, their attention went to that tree. why? Hmm. I don't see why we shouldn't eat of that tree. Why not eat of that tree? Maybe that tree is better than all the other trees. Our eyes are no longer on the orchard he's given. Our eyes are on the one he said, don't eat. It's no different than whenever I was a painter in college and, and I would I would paint handrails with oil-based paint and I would have signs everywhere that said, do not touch wet paint. That's all you gotta do is tell them not to touch it, and we would sit over there eating our sandwiches at lunch and watch them go. It's what we do. It's what we do. Don't eat of the fruit, that tree. We won't eat at that tree. That's what the law does. The Bible says when the law was given, sin increased. It increased because you tell us not to do something and that's what we want to do. When we come back to the tares and the wheat, we understand that God has sent forth good seed. That he wants to then go and make other good seed out See, we might say that an apple tree produces apples, but really it's, it's producing apple seeds. The apple just covers the most important part. It's in the center. It protects what continues itself from being made extinct. The seeds are what's the most important. Trees are just producers of more trees. Whatever the fruit is. And God wants you and I to go out as good seed and to produce more good seed that produces more good seed. And notice the seed is all the same seed. It's the only good seed. Did you know that there is no one good, no not one? Scripture says. There is no one good not even one Jesus Christ is the only one who is without sin. He's the only good seed. So you and I can't make ourselves good. We can't make ourselves good trees. We can't make ourselves bear good fruit. We can't make ourselves do any of this. We need good a good seed to come into us to produce a good tree. You got it? Because without Jesus, the only tree that's going to come out of me is a tree that produces sin. What I need is someone to come in and make something new and alive come out of me that produces righteousness. You know, Let's say that I'm an old thorn tree, but I want to be an apple tree. I can't possibly make myself an apple tree. I'm a thorn tree. It's just what it is. But if the seed of an apple tree gets dropped into me, then I can begin to produce apples. What we need is the seed of righteousness inside us, and that's what Jesus has come to do. He's come to enter into you, take root, and bear fruit through your lives. For those who follow him, those who become sons and daughters of the kingdom of God, When it gets to the end of the age, as he says. He says, they, uh, the righteous, will shine forth as the sun in the kingdom of their father. That's what the end is for those who are the sons and daughters of the kingdom. Those who have been born again. Made new creations. But if you're a son or daughter of the evil one. If you are a tear by the biblical definition, because you have not received Christ, you have rejected Christ, he says, the Son of Man will send forth his angels and they will gather out of his kingdom all stumbling blocks. This is where the tares at the end, when harvest time has come, is when everything will be pulled up. The tares and the wheat. But there's going to be a separation at this time. Because the wheat you want for good, it's good. It's edible. It's going to bring life. The weeds are no good. You're going to burn them up. That's the parable. But when he explains it, he says, listen, here's the truth. At the time of the end, the angels are going to come in and they're going to gather everybody. They're going to harvest everything. And what I'm going to have them do is, All of the stumbling blocks, all those who commit lawlessness, they will be thrown into the furnace of fire. In that place, there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. This is the first of uh, three parables that I'm going to share with you this morning. The other two, I won't take quite as long to explain. But it's the first of three that show this dividing that happens at the end. There's only two camps. For the sake of this parable, there's the wheat and there's, rather, our right hand, the wheat and the tares. If you were to go to verse 47 in that same chapter 13, Jesus tells another parable about the kingdom. He says again, the kingdom of heaven is like a dragnet cast into the sea and gathering fish of every kind. And when it was filled, they drew it up on the beach. And they sat down and gathered the good fish into containers. But the bad they threw away. So will it be at the end of the age. The angels will come forth and take out the wicked from among the righteous. And will throw them into the furnace of fire. In that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. That's the second parable. Where he is warning This world that we live in warning all humanity at the end of the age at the time of the harvest there's going to be a separation take place at that time the things that people are complaining about right now will be fulfilled the wicked the lawless will be separated from the righteous for eternity the righteous will go to the place prepared for them the place of inheritance with their father in heaven the wicked are like weeds. They will go to another place. That I'm going to explain even more in, in our last parable. This one is describing fish, good fish and bad fish. The good fish you kept, the bad fish will get thrown out.
0: But let's go to our last
2: parable, Matthew 25. Matthew 24 is all about the end That is the whole context. And then when you get to verse 31 of chapter 25, you get to this place where he begins to talk about the judgment. Now, what I want you to really take note of. Now, all of God's word is God-breathed. Right? All of it comes from the Lord. Whether Paul or Peter or John or Isaiah the prophet writes it, it all comes from the Spirit of God and all has equal authority. But for those of you who you know just like for me to emphasize it all three of these parables they're not they're not coming from Peter or Paul or anybody that you might think could have just a vivid imagination all three of these are coming from the one who came from heaven all three of these parables that we're going to talk about they've all come from the one who is the judge The one who will be our judge at the end. This last one says, but when the Son of Man comes in His glory. You see, when He came the first time, He didn't come in His glory. He came in humility. He came incarnate, in the flesh. He humbled Himself and became a man. But when He comes back, now Jesus is saying this, and He's talking about Himself. When the Son of Man comes in His glory, and all the angels with Him, Then he will sit on his righteous throne, and all the nations will be gathered before him, and he will separate them one from another. And the shepherd separates, or as the shepherd separates the sheep from the goats, and he will put the sheep on his right and the goats on the left. You see, it's just like the wheat and the tares and the good fish and the bad fish and the sheep and the goats. Jesus is trying to get something across to us. He's trying to help us understand there is a day coming. It's it's called the end of the age. When you're talking about the wheat and the tares, it's the harvest. But it's the end of the age. In fact, that's what it's called in that parable. When he explains it, the harvest is the end of the age. When he explains it in Matthew 13, and, and 49 when he's talking about uh, the whole fish the good and the bad he uses that phrase in verse 49 the end of the age and now you get to verse uh, chapter 25 uh, down in verse uh, 32 and again he's talking about at the end he says then the king will say to those On his right, come, you who are blessed by my Father. Inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. He's looking to those on his right, his sheep. Those who know his voice. Come, you who are blessed by my Father. How are they blessed by the Father? Well, the Father loved the whole world. He gave His Son to die for the sins of the whole world as a sacrifice in our place. The death that we all deserve because of sin, the sentence that we all deserve if if we were to uh, commit murder right now and we were convicted in a court of law, there's a sentence that would come down and we would be punished and we would be sent away if we didn't get a death penalty. Jesus took the sentence of eternal death on himself in my place. And he took it in your place. But the only way that you can appropriate his gift and his sacrificial offering in your place is when you put your faith in him and you acknowledge that you are a sinner and you know that sin separates you from God, and you cry out to him and you say, I believe that you died in my place. And I want to ask you. Apply your work at the cross to me. I'm asking you to forgive me for my sins and to save me from my sins and to be the Lord of my life. I give my life to you. Listen, when that happens, you go from being in the goat category to being in the sheep category. You go from being a bad fish to a good fish. You go from being a tear to being weak. You go from being dead to being alive. From being Darkness to being in the light. Amen. The old is gone and the new has come. You are a new creation, and it all happens because you put your faith in Christ. He is the reason, guys. There is no other way for us to enter into this kingdom that He's talking about here, to inherit this kingdom that He's talking about. There's no other way. There is no other way. Scripture plainly says it's actually Jesus again. To quote Him again, He says, There is no way to the Father except through His Son. There is no way. And I can explain that even further. The first covenant under the law, the Mosaic law, it gave all the things that you were to do and not to do, but it didn't give you the power to keep them. And... Even if you could start, you couldn't erase what you've already done because the blood of bulls and goats don't take away sin. All of it was a foreshadowing of the true Lamb of God who could really take away sin. If righteousness, if there was a giant scale in heaven one day that was going to weigh out all the good you've done, guys, Jesus would not have needed to come into Nicodemus's heart. But in his conversation with Nicodemus, if you recall the sermon I preached not too many weeks ago. Nicodemus being a righteous man, a man of the word, a very religious and devout man. And much more humble than all of his uh, peers in the Pharisaical party and Sadducees. he, He comes to Jesus with a heart that's seeking. He's a good man. He's a righteous man. And Jesus says, Nicodemus, you must be born again. Because there are no scales in heaven, son. You're not going to be able to say that you attended temple this many times. And you tithed all your life. And you never said a cuss word. And you did this. And you did this. And you gave to the poor. None of that is going to count for you, Nicodemus. Do you understand? No matter how much good you do, you're still dead spiritually. And you've got to be made alive. And that can only happen... Being born. You've got to be born, Nicodemus. You're dead. You've got to be born by the Spirit, not just of the flesh. And he said the same thing to that that Gentile Cornelius, that Roman centurion who gave to the poor, who gave many offerings, who was a very righteous man, so righteous that what he did came up as a memorial to God. And God said, I love what you do, Cornelius. You're a righteous man. And he was honored by the Jews. And he was honored by God. And yet it was not going to get him into heaven. He had to be born again. And it's why he sent an angel to Cornelius. So that Cornelius would call for a man named Peter. Because Peter was the son of the kingdom. And Peter was going to bring a message called the gospel. The good news. About Jesus. The son of God. The Messiah. The promised one of Israel. Who came. Who came. Who died as the Lamb of God on a cross, was buried, stayed in the ground for three days, and then he rose from the dead. So that we could become new creations. So we could be transformed and changed. So we can have good seed that produces a, free, a tree that bears good fruit in our lives. Listen as Jesus goes on in his parable there. Let's start again in verse 34. Then the king will say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed by my father. Inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. I'm reminded of what Jesus said. I am going to prepare a place for you.
0: And I will come and I will take
2: you to be with me. That's his promise. That's what he's talking about here whenever he says... Enter into, inherit that kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. Why? Because, he says, I have, I was hungry and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger and you invited me in. Naked and you clothed me. And I was sick and you visited me. I was in prison and you came to me. Then the righteous will answer him, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you? Or thirsty and give you something to drink? And when did we see you a stranger and invite you in? Or naked and clothe you? When did we see you sick or in prison and come to you? And the king will answer and say to them, Truly I say to you, To the extent that you did it to one of these brothers of mine, Even the least of them, You did it to me. You should, you, should, you should not be easily mistaken here into thinking that it's by these good works that you get into the kingdom of heaven. No, all this is is the fruit. This is just the evidence that a good seed came inside. In James chapter two, it says that you the, that faith that produces works is living faith if your faith does not produce works james says can that faith can such a faith save that produces no works no action you see what jesus is listing out here is he is he is talking about the same thing that james talks about he's saying that the evidence That you are truly born again. That good seed has come inside of you. And now a tree of righteousness is bearing fruit in you. A tree of love and compassion for the needy. The sick. The naked. Those who don't have shelter or food. The one who is doing all of that is doing it because I live inside of them. Because love himself is inside of them. Because compassion himself is inside of them. The seed of love. The seed of compassion. The seed of mercy. Side. And he's bearing that fruit. And so whenever he says, You come, you who are blessed of my Father, inherit the kingdom that was prepared for you from the foundations of the world. Come and inherit it. Here's why I'm invited. Because you have the evidence that your mind. There's evidence that I'm inside of you because you're allowing me to live through. You can give to the poor, clothe the naked, build houses for people without shelter, go visit folks in prison and in hospitals, and you won't buy your way into heaven. If there's no way, to the Father, except for his Son. If you say, well, all i got to do is be loving to everybody in the world, and I'll end up, You've got the cart before the horse. What is clear in the fullness of Scripture is, you must be born again. That's why he said it to Cornelius. That's why he said it to Nicodemus. That's why... He said, as much as I love all the good you're doing, Cornelius, you need to call for Peter, because you need to hear the gospel, because you need to be made alive. You need my spirit to come live inside of you and seal you for eternity, so that you move from the terror category, because you're a pretty darn good looking terror, but you're still a terror. You're a terror that has real pretty flowers, and I love what you do, but... You're not wheat. You're a real pretty fish, but you're not a good fish. I need you to be born again. I sent my son for you, Cornelius. I sent my son for you to this, because I want to take you from being goats to making you sheep. Even a real pretty cute goat. And There's some really cute ones out there. They're still a goat. Listen to what he says in verse 41. Because he then changes. He's speaking to those on his right at first, his sheep. Then he speaks to those on the left. Then he he will also say to those on his left, Depart from me, accursed ones, into the eternal fire which has been prepared for the devil and his angels. Now please listen to that. The eternal fires of hell were not created or prepared for the sons and daughters of Adam. They were not prepared for humanity. They were prepared for the devil and his angels. But anyone who joins the team, remember we talked about at the beginning of the message, anyone who hears the message of the devil, come with me. We are Team Rebellion. We are Team Rebellion and I got the best jerseys, best locker rooms. We got hot girls and hot guys and beer. We got everything. You want to join this team. You can cuss, you can live it up, do whatever you want on this team. This is the best team to join. You want to really go join that team where every Sunday you're supposed to be in some place and sing a song and listen to a loud mouth (laughs) of Okay. does that team sound like any fun? You join our team. Team Rebellion! <laughs> we have, we've got the majority of the world, everybody loves our team. Look at the movies, look at the sports teams, look what everybody's talking about. Who they all talking about? You hear them talking about that team? No, they're talking about Team Rebellion. <laughs> team Rebellion? The fires of hell were not created or prepared for the sons of battle, the daughters of battle. They were not created or prepared for humanity they were prepared for the devil and his angels. But if you join their team, you go where they go. If you agree with their message over the message of the gospel, over the message that God has given us, Give our lives to Him, put our faith in Him, to live righteously, loving other people, loving humanity, being compassionate, taking care of the poor, the needy, the sick, the imprisoned. And doing it by the grace and the power of God inside of us. Not living for our own flesh. Guys, He tells those on His left, the goats, depart from me, accursed ones. Into the eternal fire which has been prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry and you gave me nothing to eat. I was thirsty and you gave me nothing to drink. I was a stranger and you did not invite me in. Naked and you did not clothe me. Sick and in prison. And you did not visit me. Then they themselves also will answer. Lord, when did we see you hungry or thirsty or a stranger or naked or sick or in prison? And did not take care of you? And he will answer them, Truly I say to you, to the extent that you did not do it to one of the least of these, you did not do it to me. These will go away into eternal punishment, but the righteous into eternal life. Now I know, preaching a sermon like this is not how you grow megachurches, generally speaking. And that's generally speaking. There are a lot of great churches that are very large. But generally speaking, if you want to fill buildings full of people, you don't talk about hell. In fact, if there's anything that gets made fun of a lot, it's the fire and brimstone preacher, which I probably am going to get called after today for a little bit. But what I want you to hear is that this is a message of love. And it's coming from love himself. Jesus is the one who gives us these three parables telling us at the end of the age everybody's going to get split up. If you're in Christ, if you've come into covenant relationship with Him, which is what a marriage is, the two shall become one, Genesis says. Speaking of marriage, the two shall become one flesh. In John 14 and John 15, Jesus talks about how He and the Father are one. And how when we are born again, we become one with Christ, who is one with the Father. So we become one with God by His grace. His Spirit comes inside of us. That seed of eternal life, that seed of righteousness comes inside of us. We begin to live a different life than we used to live. If you're in Him... You don't have to fear the harvest. You don't have to fear the end of the age. Because there's a place that's been prepared for you. An inheritance for all who are sons and daughters of the kingdom. Who have entered the kingdom of God by the grace of the son Jesus Christ. Guys, as we wrap up the sermon this morning, I just... I want to encourage you so much to be in prayer for people who have not yet given their lives to Christ. People who are still living for the world, living life, living for themselves. People who don't yet understand, pray. Pray that they would understand. Pray that they would hear and receive the good news. That offering of grace and forgiveness and eternal life. Pray. Pray for your co-workers. Pray for your neighbors. Pray for your family members. Pray that God will open their hearts. Help them to have good soil that would receive and, and produce fruit of righteousness. Pray for that understanding. Because if the Son of God said it three times, I think it's pretty important. I think it should spur us on to share the gospel with other people. To have gospel conversations. To invite people to church so they can hear the good news. At this time, we're going to celebrate communion together, which is the body and the blood of Christ. And we're just celebrating what he's done for us. I'm going to invite those who are helping us with communion to go ahead and come. And uh, this will be how we close our service today. Celebrating communion together. The scripture tells us that we should not partake of these elements in an unworthy manner. So if your heart right now, uh, if you've been toying with joining Team Rebellion, maybe you've been visiting Team Rebellion, uh, you can repent right now and say, God, please forgive me. I'm, I'm going back to the home team. I'm going back to the good team, all right? Um, repentance is that quick. In fact, right now, before these trays hit you, you can go from death to life. If you'll just bow your head, even while the trays ring past, and say, Lord, I know that I'm a sinner. Would you come into my life and save me from my sins? I give my life to you. If you pray that prayer between now and the time, we invite you to join us and taking communion together as we celebrate what Christ has done. Would
3: you, mean please pass around Make A gift into our hands. God with us our world. Bread and wine. God with
2: this letter to the Corinthians. For I received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus in the night in which he was betrayed took bread. And when he had given thanks he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Heavenly Father, thank you for sending your son Jesus as the Lamb of God, the bread of life. Thank you for all that his body endured and suffered on our behalf and as we eat of this bread today, we do so with thankful hearts. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. let eat of the bread. In the same way, he took the cup also after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, You proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. And Father, we thank you for giving us your son Jesus and for the shedding of his righteous blood. We thank you for that blood that takes away our sin. It says in Old Testament times, they they were taught to offer sacrifices so their sins could be taken away. But those were foreshadowed of the true Lamb of God, the perfect one who committed no sin. We take time right now to thank you. Thank you so much for the blood that makes us righteous that justifies us. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Turn it the cup. Amen. Church, You wouldn't stand with me at this time.